Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. All right, how you guys doing? I felt it felt weird having such a long break from you guys. No, okay, that's cool. No, it felt weird for me. I felt so like disconnected from everyone. I know I missed your faces. You know, yeah, it was so sad. I'm so happy we're starting the 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 year off again. This is gonna be a really good semester. We have a lot of exciting things gonna be happening, and I'm really excited uh, for this series we're gonna kick off the year with. It's called this. Are you guys ready? Discovering, everyone say discover, discover, or discovering, sorry, discovering your destiny, say destiny, that's one of those, those coin words you hear a lot of people say all the time, you're up there with your calling and all these things, everyone's wondering, God, what is my calling, like what is my destiny, what am I meant to do, has anyone ever felt that way before, has anyone ever felt like, like stuck from it? Have any of you ever wondered, man, did I like, did I miss the call or what, what's going on? Has anyone ever felt that before? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Yes, I have many, many, many times, all right? And so uh, the goal was, hey, we, this is a new year, new resolutions. How many of you guys got resolutions this year? Yeah? Okay. A couple of you, I was really hoping for more, but that's cool. You guys, after tonight, we'll have some resolutions, right? So, but... Basically, the goal of this series is say, hey, we have a call, we have a destiny, we have something God has given us to go after. How do we go after that with everything we got? And how do we not get off the trail on the way? And how, how do we make it? So we're going to cover identity. We're going to cover different things like that. That's going to be a series for the next couple of weeks. And then when February hits, we are going to start our relationship series. Woo! Why did that one get so much more cheering than the first one? I don't know. No. No, that's one of my favorite series the whole year. We're going to do something super special this year because Valentine's Day lands on a Thursday night. So... We ain't shutting down Crux. We are probably going to have, actually not probably, I'll just for sure say it. We are going to have a Cruxentine ball hang out. We are going to have full on, we're going to transform this room. We're going to have some dancing. It's going to be like you're going back to homecoming or prom again, right? It's going to be awesome, right? It's going to be Cruxentines. It's going to be great. We're starting a new tradition this year. So we're really excited. Really excited for everything God's going to be doing uh, this semester. You're in for a treat. But hey, are you guys good if we just jump into the word for tonight? Yes. You excited for the first word of the year? Yeah. Are you guys buckled up? Are you ready? Yes. Okay, cool. All right. Well, here we go. All right, guys. Well, hey, first off, I'm going to start with uh, uh, one of my favorite stories. This includes Dominic right here in the front row. Dominic, as well as two of my best friends, when we graduated high school, we always wanted to do a road trip. And so basically, we didn't have any money, though, because we didn't, we didn't have any jobs, right? And, and so our money for the road trip was basically, we were like, let's do seven days. I think we did it for like 
300 bucks or less or something like that, like seven days. It's like 200 something, right? Because we, we had like graduation money and birthday money. Like that was it, right? But we're like, we are free men. Let's hit the road, right? Let's go for it, right? And so what we did is we go to the store and we're like, we need supplies, okay? So we get there and we get to the store and we're, well, first you need water. So we're going to get water. And then right when we're going to the water, we see there's a giant sale on Mountain Dew. And then we realize we can get twice as much Mountain Dew for like half the price. We would lose money on this deal, you know? <laughs> like, like, we are good stewards of our money. Let's, let's get the Mountain Dew. Forget the water. And so we buy a week's worth of Mountain Dew. Like, forget water. This is our drinking for the next week. The green classic cans of Mountain Dew, right? And then we're like, okay, what do, what do we have for food? And we found the cheapest food we could find hot dogs, right? And what's, yeah, so pretty much we had hot dogs and like the hot dog buns and Mountain Dew for a week, right? It was, it was glorious, right? To this day, I can't have Mountain Dew, right? Still, I hate Mountain Dew now, right? So, but we made it. So basically, we go, and the first place we go is Yosemite National Park. We've always wanted to see it. We see Half Dome. I shed a tear. It's so beautiful, right? And we're there, and we say, let's go on a hike. But we don't have a map, right? So we just pick a trailhead, and we say, hey, there's waterfalls over there. Let's just go on this trail, and right? So we put all our things, and we're hiking down this trail. We're super stoked. We're super excited. It's an amazing time. And then, you know, a few hours start to go by and we realize, man, this is, we're nowhere near the waterfall, right? We're still going. Every once in a while we pass a stranger and they're like, oh, the waterfall's that way somewhere. We're like, okay, we're still going. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. We don't have any map, right? I'm just like sucking on a hot dog because I have no protein bars or anything like that. And we're eating it like carrots. You're just like, give me another hot dog. All right, right? And I'm sitting down and I'm like, water, water. And like, Go, go, go. <laughs> right? And we just drink Mountain Dew. That's because all we have, it's like hot Mountain Dew, right? And it's like hot Mountain Dew and like sweat mixed like with your hot dogs. It's so gross, right? And I'm out there and I'm like, we're going to die. <laughs> like, this, is, this is not good. And we didn't think about the fact that the Mountain Dew was dehydrating us even more, right? Because we'd be like, I got energy again. Let's go. And then like 20 minutes later, more Mountain <laughs> Dominic, can't be Mountain Dew, <laughs> right? And that, oh man, finally, we never did make it to the waterfall. There's a moment where we're like, we need to turn back. We're going to die out here, right? Because we had no map. We had no water. We had nothing. Barely made it back to the car, right? In the car, we had nice cold Mountain Dews waiting for us, right? And so that was our trip. We never did make it. We had the zeal. We had the effort, the excitement. We went, right? But we were so ill-prepared, we didn't even think about it. Right, and to this day, I like, I want to gag if I have green Mountain Dew in the can, right? We have it for youth. I'm like, I'm not touching that stuff. No way, right? <laughs> like, oh, I still can't have it, right? So basically, what's up? I came around to hot dogs, not like cold. And then, yeah, yeah, there's other stories. Anyway, right? We, we, we waited because we had no map. We found ourselves in a river trying to get water. And then, and then we looked down and there were black things on our legs and like blood coming out. And then I heard, and then, no, it was me. I cried, leeches. <laughs> and then we went running out. That's what happens when you don't have a map and all you have is Mountain Dew. You start to, your, your judgment goes out the window, right? So anyway, though, 
We survived. We made it. So we were there. And often this is how it is, I believe, with our our destiny and with our calling. It's this grandiose thing. We're like, the waterfall. Let's get there. And you're like, my calling, my future, my destiny. Let's go. And we just want to go for it, right? And then we happen. We set these new goals, these new resolutions, these new things. And then by February, we're like, it's really far away. Oh, man. Right? And then we keep going. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can keep going. My calling. Destiny. Right? And you keep going after it. And then finally, you're just like, you're tired. You're exhausted. And before you know it, the very thing you, re- you, you resolve not to do anymore, you're sitting there and you're just like, water. You're like, I need Jesus. I need more Jesus. I feel so far away. Oh, look. The, the office marathon. <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs> right? Oh, look. Entertainment. Oh, look, that old relationship. Oh, oh, look, that thing I promised I would never do again. Oh, that. And we start, right? And then all of a sudden, we're actually, we're filling ourselves up, and we get a temporary, we feel good, and we don't realize it's actually killing us more, dehydrating our spirit even more than if we never did it at all, right? And then and then finally, we just, bitterness gets in our heart, and, and we get discouraged, and we get depressed, and we say, well, maybe I was never meant to get to the waterfall and then we just turn around and we say let's get our hot dogs and go home right (laughs) and we just settle for the rest of our life eating hot dogs and Mountain Dew and never reaching the waterfall and encountering a few leeches along the way right like this is this is what happens right when we get off the trail when we don't have a map and we don't have the water this is what happens. And so my heart tonight in in this year is let's kick off the year right. Let's put a map in your hands. Let's give you water. Let's say here are the things you need to go after it this year, right? And to get off the dew, right? Get off the mountain dew, right? (laughs) Right? Give up the hot dogs, okay? This is my goal. People who have maps and have waters, they will see waterfalls no one else ever will. You will see sides of God, glorious things of God, glorious promises if you're prepared to go after it. But if you in your zeal just go, I love that. I love zeal. Love zeal. But if you in your zeal just go for it, you could burn out by February. And I want you to do this for 70 years, 80 years. I want to do this till the day you die, going harder and harder every year after Jesus, right? So can we lock in tonight and go after what are those things? I'm only going to give you two things, a map and water to go afterwards. And I believe if you do, name your resolution. You can get it. You can get it if you have a map for it. You can get to your destiny. You can get to your calling if you have these two things. Can we go after those tonight? Is that okay? All right, awesome. So the first one, what we're going to do is we're actually going to talk about Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Chapter 12, we're starting in verse 18. I'm going to give you some context. There were some religious groups in the day when Jesus was uh, going around Jerusalem and around Israel. One, it was the Pharisees. Many of us have heard about the Pharisees, right? They, um, yeah. Anyway, we've heard of them. Another group is called the Sadducees, okay? Has anyone heard of the Sadducees before? They were another religious group. They think of it almost, uh, they were another party, right? They, that basically, they completely were almost opposite of the Pharisees, but they were another religious group. It says that they were very, when it came to the law of Moses in the Old Testament, they were very liberal with it. They said it wasn't really literal, it was very metaphorical. They didn't believe in the supernatural. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They did not believe in the afterlife. They 
said, God just made us for here and now, and then that's it, right? This is what they, this religious group believed, right? On top of that, they did not believe in miracles. They used to preach that miracles would happen in the days of Moses, but they don't need them today anymore, right? Because you have us, and we can preach it now, so we don't need the miracles anymore, right? Does that sound familiar, right? That same spirit is around today where people are like, we, the miracles disappeared because... We don't need them anymore, right? Even though Jesus promised they never would, right? And so this is what they believe, and this is the context we have. The Pharisees, Jesus did one of his just little checkmate moves, and they have no more arguments with them, so they back down. And then the Sadducees, they walk up to Jesus, and they're like, we have a question for you. And their goal is to stump Jesus in front of all of these people and embarrass him, right? And let's see what Jesus does, all right? Here we go. Here we go, all right? So Mark 12, 18. Some of the Sadducees, a religious group that denied there was a resurrection of the dead, came to Jesus, <clears throat> came to ask Jesus this question. Teacher, the law of Moses teaches that if a man dies before he has children, his brother should marry the widow and raise up children for his brother's family line. It seems weird to us, but that was true. They, they thought it was totally merciful. If In that day, if you're a widowed, it's almost like that's the end of your life. Like not many people wanted to marry a widow and, and then... There goes your retirement. There goes your life. So it was merciful to say, no, we're going to keep her in the family. Let's have the unmarried brother take her in. And it also would then say, and the brother who died in his honor, we're going to dedicate the firstborn to him. That was the culture. That's what they did, okay? So this is the situation they said. Verse 20, now there was a family with seven brothers. The oldest got married, but soon died, and he had no children. The second brother married his oldest brother's widow, and he also died without any children. And the third also Excuse me, this is an intense story, that Mountain Dew. All right, all right. This repeated, this repeated down to the seventh brother, none of whom had children. Can you imagine brother number six, right? He's looking at brother number seven. He's like, dude, five of our brothers have died. I'm going to go marry her. Here we go, right? And bro- brother number seven is like, I'm the last one left. She's killed them all. <laughs> oh, man. I'm like, his wedding day is like a death sentence to him. Six of his brothers have died in front of him. And he's like, oh no, here we go, right? And then it says he died as well. And this is finally the woman died. So here's our dilemma. Which of the seven brothers will be the woman's husband when when she's resurrected from the dead since they all were once married to her, okay? The reason this story is interesting for a lot of reasons, it's a ridiculous story, right? Imagine brother after brother after brother for seven, keep dying, keep, you right, okay? But the reason this story is extra ridiculous is because they didn't even believe in it themselves. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And they're asking Jesus a question about who she can be married to after we come back. And, and so one commentator says, the Sadducees come with a question, which they hope will show how ludicrous it is to believe in physical resurrection. The story is not only ridiculous, it's hypocritical. For it, it is put forward by people who don't believe in any form of resurrection. So they basically are mocking Jesus and this ideology. They come forward and they basically say, okay, you believe in the resurrection. What if this happens? Trying to prove how ridiculous it's going to be, right? Oh, are they all going to be married to her now if we come back from the dead? It's, it's a mockery kind of a story in a parable. That's why it's so ridiculous to prove a point to Jesus because they know he believes in the power of God. He believes in the resurrection of the dead, right? And so this is where it goes. Jesus answered them, you are deluded. Wow. You're, he's like, you're delusional. Like, that's not nice, Jesus. Like, that's, 
that's so offensive in front of everyone to be like, you're wrong. You're confused. You're deluded. <laughs> right? It's how he answers them. The word deluded, the Greek word is planeo, okay? And it means this. It says to cause to stray, to lead aside from the right way. It says literally means you have wandered off of the trail. And you have nothing but Mountain Dew to drink. Okay, so it says, go astray to wander off of your trail. This is exactly, that same word deluded is what happened to us when we were in the woods and we're like, we don't know where to go. Somewhere along the way, we got off the trail and we're lost. That's what this word means when Jesus says, you have lost it. Okay, he says, so, so why is the big question to me? Why did these religious group get deluded, right? Why do people get wander off the path? Why do we get lost? Why do we have these goals? We have these, these resolutions we're going after, right? But then somewhere along the way, so many Christians, myself included, get off the trail sometimes. Why? What happens? Because the Sadducees, they were this religious group, but, I, but they were started with good intentions. No child was like, you know what? I love being a jerk. I'm going to grow up and be a Sadducee. Like, let's do it, right? No, the group was set to pursue God and understand him more. So the child would be like, I want to be a Sadducee because I want to know more about God. And yet somewhere along the way, this group that had such great intentions got off the trail. And were actually opposing God. That's crazy, right? So why? How did it happen? How does it happen to us? Jesus gives the answer. He says, you are deluded because... Your hearts are not filled with the revelation of Scripture or the power of God. Another translation says this, your mistake is that you don't know the Scriptures and you don't know the power of God. The reason you've fallen, the reason you've gone astray, the reason you're deluded is because you don't know the Scriptures. You have no revelation of them. And because you don't know the power of God. You don't have a map and you don't have water. You got you to realize, if you want your Christianity, if you want to get to the destiny, to the call of God in your life, you need these two things equally as important and pursued in your life. Understanding a revelation of the scripture, not a memorization of the scripture, a revelation of the scripture. It's different, okay? Okay? Or, you, or and you need the power of God in your life. Jesus says, if you don't have this, you're going to get off, okay? Because if you have just the, the word, just the Bible, I love the Bible. I love the Bible, right? That's why I read it so much. That's why it's duct taped together to stay together, right? I love the word of God. But if you only have the word of God in your life and you do not believe in the power of God like the Sadducees, you can still get off and you will become like them. You'll be filled with reason and arguments and no revelation. You will get hard. You will get bitter. You will get angry. You'll get judgmental because you don't believe in God's ability to have power, right? I've done it. David's done it. We've both done it. We've been there, right? Dominic was a witness. He knew me when I was like this. So he can be like, yep, he done it, right? So, but to only focus on the power of God and the Holy Spirit, right? It's a good thing. Love the Holy Spirit. Who loves the Holy Spirit? 
Amen, right? Love Holy Spirit, right? But to only focus on the power of God and to not have the word of God, to not have an anchor of the word, to not have a love and a desire and have this cherished in your heart, you will begin to develop a rebellious heart. Because what happens is you'll say, well, I hear God. I don't need to know what you have to say. I hear God, doesn't matter what the preacher said, and you get offended and you create an island and you walk away and we go off and we say, well, I believe in the power of God. I believe in his ability to speak to me. I don't need community. I don't need people. I don't need connection. I don't need the word of God. And you become, we become really weird, really quick, and we get way off track and cults are born, <laughs> right? Because they don't have the word of God. If you want to keep and get to the destiny of God, the calling on your life, you have to get the power of God and the word of God inside of you together, right? So you have to get, I believe the word is your map and the Holy Spirit, the power is your water. You might be able to make it really far with the power of God, but you're gonna get lost in the woods. You're not gonna make it. Or you might have just this and you'll stay on the trail, but you're gonna die because all you have is Mountain Dew, right? You need the real thing, the Holy Spirit encounter, right? So scripture and power, how do we, be, how do we then, how do we pursue these two things? I'm gonna break them down. We're gonna do scripture and then we're gonna do power. How do we get them in us, okay? So the scripture, what's crazy is Jesus said, you don't know the scriptures. That's absurd because the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. They had the entire Torah memorized. The Torah is the first five books, they had it memorized, the commas everywhere. They couldn't even get in to the group unless they had it all memorized. It's like your, the, the, those creeds in the fraternity, right? And they're like, you have to memorize this thing, right? But five books of the Bible and laws. So for Jesus to be like, you don't know the scriptures. It's like, what? What? My whole life is based on knowing the scriptures. My job is to know the scriptures. My, right? Everything about me is to know the scriptures and have them memorized. And he says, you don't have a revelation of them. Right? Because they, somewhere along the way, they got rid of all the verses that talked about the power of God and they traded their revelation for reason. And they said, this part of the trail, I don't like, so I'm cutting this part out. That was metaphorical and we cut this out and I keep this part. But then when they get to that part on the map, they get lost, right? And they get out. It's possible to read and memorize the scripture and not know a thing about them. The devil, he knows it. He has it memorized. It's different to memorize scriptures. Good, you have to memorize the scripture, but it doesn't mean you have a revelation or the heart of the author behind it. And that's, that's what really changes you is knowing, having a revelation of it inside of you. The word he used is oida, okay? And it means to know, understand, perceive, but I love this, to cherish and to pay attention to. Cherishing something is not an intellectual thing. It's a heart thing. You don't like cherish something with your thoughts, but not your heart. When you're cherishing something, it's like, this is so special to my heart. And it's the same word, the same word to know when he says you need to know. It's the same word in Matthew 6, 8, where Jesus says, don't be like them for your father knows. That word knows. He knows what you need before you ask him. Your father cherishes what you need. Your father pays attention to what you need. That's the word Jesus says when he says, you don't pay attention or cherish the scriptures. 
So the question is, do, do we just memorize it? Do we just read it to, to, to fill off our box and check it off and meet our quota for the day? And just memorize it to say we memorize it. Or are we after real revelation of the scriptures? The real revelation. Do we go away alone in an intimate setting, me and Jesus, to get to know his heart in the scriptures? Do, do I open it up and just say, like, I'm just gonna get my chapter done? Or do I pause even if I made it two words in and say, whoa, and let it hit me and sit on it? Do we go to the Bible like just a historical book or do we, do we open it up like God's autobiography that, that he chose to write through people, right? Do, do we ask him questions about it? Do we dwell on it? Sit on the same chapter for a month, two months, three months, however long it takes, right? I sat in Song of Solomon's, it's eight chapters long for a year and I didn't read anything else in the Bible for a year, because I said, God, I have to understand this. I have to get revelation, not just memorization, right? What do we do? Are we a people who get revelation? And if you're not, you're already beginning to get deluded. You're starting to get off the trail. We have to get a revelation of the scripture. God's, the Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible because it's his own words, it's his book, right? He's not gonna go against his own words in his own book. Right? <laughs> right? He doesn't do that. And there's so many people, they think their conviction is more important than the scriptures. They think it's, and I've met Christians who, who they live together and they, they sleep together and they, they like, they're like, oh yeah, sex before marriage is totally fine. I don't feel convicted and God said it was okay. Like in their personal conviction. I'm like, no, Jesus would say that's delusion. You're off the path. Because the Bible says the exact opposite and he doesn't contradict himself. And I've had people get mad at me. I had one person get mad, very mad at me because they said God told them that they were going to have a child out of wedlock and that they were meant to raise the kid alone and it's okay, he'll be their dad. So they came to me and said, God says it's totally okay for me to get pregnant and, and to go sleep. Like, it's okay. It's actually his promise. And I looked at them and I said, no, that's not God. You're going to be an amazing mom with an amazing husband and you will raise a child, but you're going to have an amazing husband with you. I so believe it, Right? It's different if it's a tragedy that happens or something happens, right? But when you set your heart and you're like, God's telling me it's okay, right? To have a kid out of wedlock. And they're like, I'm going to be straight to you. I'm going to have this kid out of wedlock. And I'm like, this is not God. And they got real mad at me and they said it was, right? Because they didn't have a revelation of the scripture inside of them, right? You have to get this inside of you. Some practical things um, to do to not just meet your quota, but to actually get revelation. One, set a time and a plan where you're actually alert. I love, read the Bible before bed, read it in the morning, that's good. But pick the time when you're most alert, right? How many of you have ever had a conversation with a loved one when you're extremely tired, right? And then you, how many of you are like, I don't fully remember the next day what I was said, right? And then you start to realize, you know, maybe we shouldn't have conflicting talks when we're tired, that's not a good recipe, right? <laughs> right? You're not going to have conflicting things like that with God necessarily, but it's the same where give him your best hours. Don't go to him when like, God, I'm tired. And then, because then the next day, it's like, I don't even remember what I read last night, really. And there was no revelation that changed me because I just did it to do it, right? And, and then have a spot. Don't just be like, what's it today, God? All right weird, <laughs> right? Like, have a plan of like, hey, this is where conversation left off last, God. Let's pick it up there. 
And, and then another thing, focus less on quantity and, on, and more on quality. I'd rather you go so deep in five verses than finish your chapter and just mark it off and move on and be like, I'm done because I finished my chapter. Give God a set amount of time and be like, God, for this hour, this 30 minutes, and, I, and maybe I'll get stuck. Maybe I'll make it through a chapter or 10 chapters, or maybe I'll get stuck on verse number two. I'm going to stop wherever I feel the tug of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to go deeper in that spot. And then write it out, and then, God forbid, read it again, and read it again, and read it again. Read the same verse. Like, seriously, if your Devo time was like five verses, and you read them five times, and you wrote it out, and you asked God questions about it, and you prayed it, and you turned it into a prayer, and you started to pray it out to God, and then, and then, right, to not, so what happened is this verse, I was reading it, and I got stuck on this verse. It jumped out at me in the middle of my devotional time, and I stopped, and I said, God, I don't want to be deluded. God, please show me. And I went back over this verse for like two weeks now. I've just been sitting on this verse, saying, God, God, I don't want to be deluded. And I turned it into a prayer that's changing my life, right? And I'm able to give you revelation because I've sat on it, right? Don't be so quick to move. Sit on it, right? Tell God how it makes you feel. I read this verse and I said, God, this verse sucks. Like, <laughs> I read it and I was like, God, I don't like this verse. That means I can memorize stuff and still get off. I want a formula, <laughs> right? Tell God how it makes you feel. Tell God if you love the verse. Tell God if you hate the verse. Tell God if you don't get it. Plead with God if you don't understand it. Tell him if you, this is the best verse ever. Tell him if you're like, this is weird and it freaks me out. I don't know what it means, <laughs> right? Talk to him about it. Talk to the author about the book he wrote. And then, like I said, turn it into a prayer. See, you have to make knowing the scripture and not just a scholastical thing, but an emotional thing, a cherishing not just a memorization of intellectual. A lot of times we think people who know the Bible are just intellectuals. That's so not true. Get the revelation inside of you of a love for the scripture and you'll stay on the path and you'll go right towards your destiny if you keep a revelation to the scriptures. Is that good? Can we move on to power? Did I nail that one in enough? Yeah? Okay. Power. He said, you are deluded. Oh, man because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of scripture or the power of God. Isn't it crazy that he put the encounter and the power of God right up there with the scripture? That's crazy to me, right? The power of God to me was always like the awkward like uncle who's still invited to the party, but you're kind of like, he's kind of nuts, right? <laughs> but he has to come because he's in the family, right? That's how it was when it's like, oh, power of God's in the room, people are shaking, and it's like, yay, they're here, you're right? That's how I felt. <laughs> Uncle's here, great, right? That's how I felt. And I realized because I didn't have an understanding and I didn't have a love for the power of God. And he puts it, the power of God, right up there with the scriptures. Isn't that crazy? Because the scriptures are his words, but the power is his strength, right? And to say, I want you to know my words, but not my strength, that's, a, that's an incomplete picture of God. You have to pursue the power of God just like you pursue the scriptures of God. According to Jesus, Otherwise, you can get delusional. Isn't that crazy? The word for power is dunamis. That's where we get the word dynamite, right? And, and it literally, it means a power for performing miracles. That's crazy. 
And it's like a supernatural power. That's insane. Like you can't avoid it. 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. That is so convicting to me. How often do I try to persuade people into my argument versus just asking for the power of God to show up, right? And, and that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not in my ability to talk, but in his power to show up. Why? Because, oh man, it puts us so dependent upon him. A.W. Tozer, he said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. And I was so convicted. I said, God, how much of my life, if you disappeared, would, would continue on? I could still read. I could still preach. I could still lead youth group, still do games. I could still, we could sing songs. We could still do Third Friday. We could still do all these things. How much of crux, God, would shut down if Holy Spirit didn't show up? And it just pierced my heart. And I said, and the answer for me was far too much. Too much of my life could go on if Holy Spirit disappeared. And it just rocks my heart. I said, God, I need to have a lifestyle that if you disappeared, I, my life would crumble. God, I need to have a youth group. I need to have a college group that if Holy Spirit didn't show up, not only would we, not, not only would we notice, we would shut down because there's no point anymore, right? That's... That's, oh man, it, it, just, it just wrecked me. And I started to realize how many of my resolutions can I complete without Holy Spirit? And if I can complete them, is it a resolution I really want? If I don't need Holy Spirit for my goals, are they really goals I need? If my dream, I don't need Holy Spirit, is it really a dream? Can I say this dream is from God if God's not in it and not needed for it? And, I, and I, like I said, I've been sitting on this for weeks and it's just been wrecking me. It's been breaking me. And if, and if the answer is basically, oh, a lot of my stuff can go on, then I'm already deluded. And I need to get back on the trail. Right? I have to get back on the trail. It just was, it was, it was hurting me. <laughs> And I just started to say, God, I don't want this. God, I, so for youth group last night, we played games, the kids had fun, and then we just did small group for 30 minutes, had them pray and prophesy over each other. Because it was like, I'm not gonna have a group that just doesn't need Holy Spirit. <laughs> right? And these kids have to grow up knowing they can hear God and they can prophesy and they can be confident in his voice. And if they leave youth and they don't remember a single sermon, but they know they can hear God's voice, then I... That was a success, right? We walked into the stores and we bought the Mountain Dew because the cost was less. The real thing cost more. And so often we don't pursue the power of God because we see the cost. And we're like, oh man, that's gonna embarrass me. That's gonna make me feel uncomfortable. And if it's uncomfortable, it's not God, right? <laughs> he only, he never makes me uncomfortable, right? 
and we look at the costs. But what if people think of me weird? What if I get rejected? What if I, what if I feel awkward? And then we just say, you know what? Give me a gospel that's cheaper. And give me a gospel that I can drink and makes me feel good. And we bring it down a notch. And then we don't realize it's actually dehydrating us to believe in a gospel that doesn't promote the power of God. And it's pulling us into greater delusion. Because now we're building up a theology that doesn't need Holy Spirit to show up. And it's dehydrating our spirits, right? So practicals, what do we do, God? <laughs> practicals, pick an area in your life where you want to grow in the Holy Spirit with, with the power of the Holy Spirit, meaning an area that he has to show up or you fail, right? Pick an area. What is it? Is it the prophetic? Is it words of knowledge where you step out and you're like, does your shoulder hurt? They're like, nope, okay, <laughs> right? You know, right? Is it an area where, where, where you step out and it, it, that, that's how you know it's a risk and that's how you know you're pushing yourself, right? And you're trusting him because if he doesn't show up, I fail, right? And so from this stage, I have said some awkward words and just said, does this make sense to anyone? Cricket, 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 cricket. And inside I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, <laughs> I need you, right? And it keeps me growing. And it keeps me pursuing the things of God, right? So the first one, pick an area you want to grow in that he has to show up. Something that you can't get a plan B for. So is it healing, prophecy, words of knowledge, maybe even evangelism, like preaching the gospel and like either they get saved because God moved or maybe not at all, right? What is that? Pick one of those, the one that you want to grow in right now. And step two is this, take risks. That's the difference between those who take risks and those who who just like, that's, I believe it. Take risks, step out, throw out the word, maybe it'll get wrong. And then you'll kind of learn how to do it later again. The third thing is get alone with God and ask him why it didn't work. If it didn't work, go to God and be like, God, you said this would work. Why did it not work? (laughs) Right? And then don't just, oh, I guess it doesn't work. I guess miracles aren't real. No, go to God and say, God, what happened? Teach me, God, teach me. And you'll say, well, it was this, or well, it was that, right? Or maybe you say, I don't know, God, but I'm going to try again. And step four is this, take a risk again. That's how you grow in the power of God, right? If you're anchored in the scriptures, this is how you grow in the power of God. Take risks, go in the closet, ask him what happened, take a risk again, (laughs) right? And keep going for it until you see breakthrough, right? So how do you keep your faith alive? If your faith is bored this year, if your faith, you're like, I want to get close to God this year, and you feel bored, you feel exhausted, you feel tired, you feel anxious, your faith is just kind of dead, you feel sleepy, (laughs) what do you do? Take the risks. I don't know anyone who can be sleepy when they're on the edge of a plane and they have a parachute they really hope works and they're ready to jump. No one's like, my life is so boring. (laughs) No one's on the plane. They're like, three, two, one, jump. You're like, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I, don't, I, can't, I can't fall, right? Right, right. No one does that. But then when they hit the ground, they're like, whoa, oh, I'm shaking. That was crazy. Like, I'm alive, right? Like, they come alive, right? Because they took a risk and they jumped. You want your faith come alive. Take risks, and jump, and your faith will come alive. 
You don't need to institute more rules. Institute more risks. Get more risks and you watch. It is really hard to be bored when you put yourself on the front lines and you're like, does your shoulder hurt? Like inside, you're not just like, this is so boring. Like you're like, oh Lord, please show up. I feel awkward. Like it keeps you alive and it keeps you moving towards the destiny and the calling on your life. All right, Lord, I ask that during this time you would speak to us. Father, we ask that we'd be a people that never become deluded, God. God, would we be a people, uh, Lord, you, you, oh man, you so broke my heart for this because I don't want crooks to ever get deluded. And so God, I promise as long as I'm here and as long as this group is here, we will pursue a revelation of the scriptures and we will pursue the power of the Holy Spirit. As long as we're here, and this is our house, we say that we're going after you, God, both the scriptures and the spirit, the spirit and the truth, your strength and your words. We want all of you, God, not just the parts that make us feel good right away. We want all of you, God. Keep us growing. Keep us pursuing. Keep us going deeper, God, that we would get to the calling and the destiny you've placed upon our lives. God, as we go into this time where even just for a few minutes we sit and look at the scriptures, I ask that you would bring fresh and new revelation, like fresh water into our spirits, God. God, and then as we go into praying for each other, would you show up, Holy Spirit? We, we're gonna put ourselves in a spot where either there's a parachute in our backpack or not, and you show up or we fall, God. And that's the best place we wanna be. So Lord, we invite you to be with us during this time. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.